You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host as always. This week, we're talking the regional market with my man, Brendan Tolling from Heron Todd White. Brendo, how you going? I'm good, Trent. Good to be here. Mate, that regional market hasn't pulled off yet, has it? No. In fact, some of it's... To our surprise, still extremely strong. As I might have mentioned in the past, I go to Exmouth every now and again to do some valves. That market is extremely strong, and I know it's just a snapshot, but it does describe what's happening in these smaller towns. Essentially, if you look at the realestate.com at the minute, there's no listings of houses there most days. There are zero the, properties available uh, in Exmouth. Spot on. Like they're, they're literally, there's a couple of houses there, obviously, but they're up there, and if you ring an inquiry, you'll find that they're either under offer or, or there's a really strong buyer inquiry. Talking to the agents, they're probably concerned about listings. They've got a, a fair bit work. of vacant land left yeah. to, to sell, and there's a lot of construction going on. So it's a, a good location for that because it's a great lifestyle location. That means that you end up with some long-term tradies and builders in town and that's relatively well supplied plus our uh, demountable or our modular building sector has grown massively over the last five to ten years and so that creates some of that supply going into towns like that as well and it's not just Exmouth that's happening too that's that's happening all around the state yeah hey, I was a bit nervy about how the regional market especially probably the southwest would go once the borders start opening up and obviously it's early days but right now I still look at that demand supply ratio I still look at how quickly things are going under under offer in terms of days on market in these spaces and people haven't changed their mind that they want to go straight to Europe next week. They're still making investment decisions down there. I think we've definitively got this holiday season coming up as in the whole of the rest of this year where people will continue to holiday in WA predominantly. Obviously, Bali's open again now, but we don't really have those anecdotal stories back in the community yet about that successful trip, in particular from a family point of view. So obviously people are traveling there. The stats in terms of how many people go to Bali on a weekly basis from WA are phenomenal. The Jetstar are saying their flights are already full. But my point being that I don't think that we're back to a wholesale family all jumping on the plane as soon as school holidays start and all going to Bali. I think that next school holidays being kind of July time, there'll be, again, a lot of that flight to local locations and that that will continue through to the back end of the year. That means that demand in those locations remains strong. Well, I'm starting to think it might not be for a lot of people a choice of one and the other. I think what's happened in the last couple of years is a lot of people have fallen back in love with WA. Yep. They've gone traveling, they've gone, geez, actually, yeah, we can do the holiday, but we'd also like to have something here as well for the long weekends. Yeah, yeah. And that's really pushed up that base level demand yep. versus what is a very small supply in the first place, Yeah, which is sustaining some of that cultural shift, I think. Yeah. You know, in the same way that my wife and I have really fell in love with board games again and we will continue to. Yeah. You know, I think the same thing for that local holiday home. It's a renaissance in that space. Yeah, and then layer on top of that, the fact that there was a lot of places that people had never been to. So pick on Exmouth again, it's a bloody long way away. It's 1300k drive and 13 hours in the car minimum. There's a lot of people who've never been there. Then they work out they can fly there and hire a car when they get there or that they like the accommodation or they find a new favourite beach. Same happens in Broome, Albany, Dunsborough, Margaret River, Jero, Kalgoorlie. Uh, don't forget the inland locations like going to Karajini or even I got to go to Kununara last year. Never been there in my life. Oh, my God. Just mm. ridiculous. Let's start. Let's take the anti-clockwise like I like to do. Yep. 
I want to actually talk about Manda if we can for a second. Yeah, is that regional? Well, not anymore, <laughs> right? But it's on the way. And yeah. I think it's just pertinent with regards to the immigration coming in. Yep. We've seen some DAs come through for the local town centre. We've also seen McGowan cap the Transperth fee to, I think, about $3.20, $3.40, when it used to be about 9 10 bucks each way. Yes. Which makes a difference with regards to people deciding to live and commute every day into work if they have to. Yep. But I think people have also taken the time to head out that way and um, city of Mandra being a big location for that British population I think as we start and we'll move on to Bunbury in a second even places like Mandra and Dawes will get a look in as well. Yeah so Mandra's really interesting in terms of having always struggled for that local economy to then support that property market down there so relying on retirees and tourists and holiday location those kinds of things it's time to shine is now in terms of people being able to choose that lifestyle. You know, imagine living on the canals or on the beach down there and then with the way that working from home is going to work long term into the future, no one's ever going back to the office five days a week, right? We all know that now. That's certainly not our plan in our office. What's probably going to become the standard is people being in the office one or two days a week potentially or five days in a fortnight, something like that. That creates the opportunity for a location like Mandra to say, Come and live on the canal. Come and live on a, a broad acre property that's close to a town centre that has decent infrastructure and commute once or twice a week or once or twice a fortnight even. So, yeah, there's a, a real time to shine there for them to offer that location and that lifestyle. Yeah. Scoot through to Bunbury. How's the market been tracking with regards? We, we compare it to the Perth market if we can. Yeah, it's probably, as usual, Bunbury kind of lags that Perth market a little bit. Activity is pretty crazy. We're pretty much close to double our daily volume of valuations through that Bunbury, greater Bunbury area over the last kind of six months or so. That's fantastic. Maybe we've won some market share, but it also means that there's a lot of activity going on there. Lots of refinance, lots of purchase activity. And most importantly, a lot of economic activity propping that up. So the complete opposite to what we just talked about with Mandra, you've got a lithium mine out the back of Greenbushes there. You've got a Luca Resources just got given a phenomenal loan on amount of money. It was over $100 million from the government. These are long-term investments that are really, really important for the st- sustaining that local economy in Bunbury and will continue to drive that property market. Bustleton Airport just started working. Yeah, how's that? And so there's definitively that Margaret River Pro is on over the weekend and depending on surf still going. And so the, I heard the reports of everyone just coming out because the, the previous tour event was at Bells Beach in Melbourne. They all just go straight on those Jetstar direct flights into Busso. So it, it came into its own. The, the reasoning from the local council to get this flight in place is working. So it's a fantastic thing. And there must be some people down there that, that are very relieved to, number one, see bums on seats, but number two, to, to see the fruition of their plan. Do you reckon this is going to have a long-term step change in the median value of Bustleton as a more reliable value proposition? I think that the tourism industry down there needs to evolve further slightly. So offer more services and products. Yeah. And so what we're seeing is a flight to quality there across the whole country and probably across the world. I was lucky enough to be down Margaret River recently for school holidays. I didn't do that many wine tastings, but did go into a stalwart in Vas Felix. Their offering is a step above anything that's been in the past. You know, they've got to pay for tasting type model, which is coming through most of the wineries down there. The reason I raised that is that the offering, though, was not a non-knowledgeable backpacker standing behind the counter just telling me that I've got some free wine to drink. I had an informed expert telling me what was happening with those wines. Clearly, I ended up buying some because you, once you've paid your fee, you get that discount off the wine yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, So 
the the point I'm trying to make there is that they've elevated that to a, a completely different experience to what it was in the past. My most important thing here is I've got a lot of friends on the East Coast that are with inherent or what, and the consistent answer when I say, are you going to come to Perth? Are you going to visit WA? I expect that this would be similar across most of the population. They just can't get their heads around the distance. The idea of flying three and a half, four hours from Melbourne and Sydney to get to Perth and then driving three hours to Margaret River just blows their mind because that's a whole day out of their holiday and they don't have that time to spare. So being able to get on a three and a half, four hour flight straight out of Melbourne into, into Busso and drive all the way through that Dunsborough and Margaret River region and experience those new offerings, I think is a massive opportunity. That feeds back into the property prices uh, that increasing over a period of time there. I reckon the opportunity for investors down there is simply just the Airbnb market. Yep. You can be making some serious coin off of that if you're close enough to the airport or to that wine district. Yep. That's where you really start to see. I think Airbnb has opened up that cash flow model for people. Yeah, and the flexibility to use it yourself yep. and your friends and your family, people you like, all that kind of stuff. You just need to be careful with Airbnb around the rules from local councils down there and state government rules, so just buy beware. The other opportunity there is just price range too. There's some really expensive properties down there. So you know, having a look at that marketplace in terms of rental, having a look at that marketplace and going, right, where does it sit? What's my target market? The, the couple coming along or the big family or the shared house with two families in it, those kinds of things, yeah. I think Dunsborough is spoken for with the Bustleton chat. Yeah, it's still really strong, really strong there. Really low supply in terms of those desirable high net worth property, uh, trophy holiday home properties, but also a massive undersupply in rental. The rental market is severely undersupplied through Dunsborough. Imagine when people that they actually start getting workers back into these areas that puts even more pressure. And again, that's probably that chicken and egg conversation we yep. had in the Metro chat. You need places to put these people, otherwise they won't come. Yep. Now I did while I was in Margaret River take a look at the uh, Witchcliff Eco Village, or there's a, uh, it's a subdivision, right, from a pure property person, but it's done with a difference in terms of design guidelines and some parameters around who can buy there and build there. It's pretty diverse. They're going to have some ideas around sort of common gardens and common orchards, and there's some lakes set up and this kind of stuff. But the interesting thing from my point of view is construction types. So really, some a couple of builders attached to preferred builders attached to the subdivision, and they are essentially building houses out of things like hay bales, hempcrete. A lot of recycled material, uh, a lot of recycled brick and concrete. Uh, yes, a bit of rammed earth down there. Really, really interesting concepts. Uh, a lot of, of, obviously, they're trying to do those in an eco-friendly way, i.e. low power use, low water use. A lot of north-facing lots to take a, a passive solar into account. Some quite small houses too. So looking at retirees that might only want a one-by-one but then a larger yard to play around and get the veggies going and those kinds of things. So, yeah, it was really refreshing to see some new ideas coming out of the ground. I'm not sure that works in Perth, but most importantly, we're exploring some other methods of construction then. Well, I think it's just an accepted practice these days. The second you step out of the metro area, you see a lot more steel frame, timber frame, rammed earth, these sort of products where you, it's funny you don't see them as inferior products but second you're in the metro area you do yeah the obsession with that uh, double brick in Perth metro is still there we, we see obviously a lot more veneer type design these days obviously there's different pressures on, on supply at the moment 
funnily enough, I think bricks are probably going better in terms of supply than things like timber frame anyway. Yeah. So it's pretty ironical that once we started moving that way, now we've got an undersupply of timber. How's the Albany market look? Yeah, so similar again. So Albany actually gets back to that Airbnb pressure came really early. And that actually came from locals realizing that there was a really big opportunity from a, uh, a tourism point of view and buying up their second and third house there and understanding that the Airbnb cash flow would underpin the uh, their return. Yeah. yeah. So still uh, under pressure. Again, a really busy market. Some of that regional rural market coming in there as well in terms of injecting money into the town somewhere like Esperance as well as is like that so really successful farming community on the outskirts of Esperance that made a lot of money over the last few years and looking to invest that money in those local towns. Kalgoorlie's raging on isn't it? Kalgoorlie's a lot of fun isn't it? Uh, I was talking to a mate of mine who runs an engineering services business recently and they're in competition to buy hotels in Kalgoorlie because they need and this is happening in other regional towns because they need somewhere for their workers to be accommodated when they're on sites up there. So that's also happened in places like Mount Magnet and those kinds of regional locations that desperation for accommodation and the lack of supply of things like dongers or sites to put them on, that flows back through into the single residential marketing cap. So everyone knows the Kalgoorlie market is a one-trick pony. It's the gold price. Gold price. The the point here I'm, I'm about to make is with massive global inflation about to hit or already hitting, one of the assets that always do very well in inflation events because people put their money into this as a store of wealth mm. is gold. Yeah, yeah. So when the gold price smashes through, you can see massive, massive expansion of mines on all of their marginal reserves yep. start to come through because this is when they need it. They they expand now because they can sell it now before yep. it gets cheaper again. Yeah. This is where you see a town like that become a boom town. So my yep. thoughts on that more global holistic strategy is that it. For the first time since we started this podcast, I wouldn't be against an investment in Kalgoorlie right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then again, you get back to that supply side of things. What's the housing stock like? There's a supply issue in terms of getting uh, houses built there. Luckily, it's a big enough town to have local builders that will assist. And Landcorp have developed uh, their own supply side of vacant land in there in the past. The other factor to remember in, in Kalgoorlie is that it's pretty unlikely that a worker's accommodation would get constructed so that they're always relying on the local town for accommodation as those projects expand. So yeah, I think both of us are there. uh, It's probably a buyer, but a buyer for a time frame that you need to keep your eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're talking Jero. We're doing Jero. (laughs) (laughs) Jero is really interesting because it is going through a growth cycle and and they finally need that. I actually need to do a little bit more research on Jero, but I can see some macroeconomic fundamentals there. There are opportunities that are flapping in the breeze that need to be taken hold of. So One of the things that I realized recently is wind and solar power is available to those guys. Obviously, it doesn't, it needs a massive amount of money to be invested to make that work. But the other thing they have there is one of the fastest NBN connections in the whole country. Yes, I've heard Uh, about this. There's data centers going up there, right? Yep. So there's a a data center, one of the biggest data centers to be constructed in WA going up there with a supercomputer. Then you start talking about our good old favorites like the mining industry. There's a lot of talk about hydrogen being available and it being green hydrogen because you come back to wind and solar. Who would have thought about putting a wind farm? in Jero yeah. we've all dri- driven past the uh, S-Bend there and the trees that the the, uh, the tourists stop to take photos of because they're uh, horizontal to the ground it's a great place to put a wind farm it's just that someone needs to obviously have the land and the, the, the money to invest in that infrastructure Newman yeah so Newman tracking along uh, increasing slowly still has a supply of houses that aren't being used so I, I always worry a little bit about what happens with that supply obviously 
there's, there's a cost in terms of bringing them back on stream and they're likely to be mining industry or government owned but that means that there's also a restriction on existing usable supply which drives prices up all the time let's finish in the, the pilbara as we normally do with caratha and port headland the interesting thing about caratha we heard a lot last year and the year before about massive growth massive rental price growth as well i don't hear a lot as as much on the news and that obviously isn't the most important point with regards to perceptions the data is the most important point yeah and we'll talk to the data in a second but i'm not hearing reports of how crazy things are at the moment yeah why is that yeah, it's interesting in that it goes through those cycles. And so then we had the Pluto announcement towards the mid to end of last year. That really drove activity into that marketplace in Caratha. And therefore, that's now slowed a bit. It's, it's just that peak and trough of what they what demand does in those locations, in those small towns. And it's really noticeable because it's, it's such a small market in terms of supply. So it's going steady. Most importantly, values haven't dropped away and they're holding. There is pressure on rents at the moment and there actually is pressure on stock. There's not a lot of stock on the market in there at the moment. So We're probably just normalizing a little bit to yep. the fact that this is an upward cycle and there's nothing new about it. Yeah, yeah, that's spot on. And so we're back to that, that kind of pause stage. These are the types of pauses that those markets have where people want to probably get familiar with the market, know when they are, and then go in there and have a look around at buying. Interestingly, our value on the ground in there is saying that we've seen a couple of contracts uh, up around the 900k recently that's um, breaking into some territory we haven't seen for six seven years yeah yeah they're, they're the uh getting back towards the peaks that we saw in that previous market cycle at the, the kind of 13 14 obviously the rents are driving those as well driving those capital values up because people are looking for it's a quasi return. commercial returns exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. so again Buyers just need to be cautious. They need to be informed about what they're getting into. Please don't look at the returns. They're probably as high as 10, 12, 14, 15%. That's um, nominal. That, that's, yeah, I'm not talking the costs yeah, to hold. That's a, yeah. a gross return. Go and have a look at the costs. Go and do your numbers on values coming off relatively quickly. It's not an asset class that's extremely liquid. What we saw in the last downturn is if you've bought at the peak, getting rid of your property as the market turns down is not that easy because the buyers have gone and the demand's gone. Iron ore is one of those commodities where people are looking very tightly at the moment and looking at inflation, looking at China and going, we're surprised it still held its value so high up in around the 140, 150 US a ton. My thoughts are that we're going to continue to see this. And this is going to be a foundation for WA's next golden age here. Is As a lot of naysayers say, we're going to see a drop because they expect a drop. But again, in times like this, in inflationary times, commodity prices go up. Yeah. They stay up. Yeah. So uh, I know I noticed in the, uh, the the election campaign that um, the East Coast wise men have finally um, started calling out WA for what it is the powerhouse of the national economy. I'm obviously not an economist. I'm obsessed with property, but it's really hard to see how gold doesn't hold its price or go better. That iron ore doesn't hold its price or go slightly better. But let's remember the profit margin that's still there available to those those miners. And then obviously gas is just an unknown quantity at this point in time. And we'll be and looking lithium and hydrogen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Then we add into that solar power and a, a bit of salt in, uh, happening up there as well. Uh, it's still a really strong economy. I want to finish this conversation. We're probably pairing it back to the holiday home markets in the Southwest. Holiday homes are a luxury asset for most people, luxury purchase. 
and the second things get a little bit tight around the belt, people start thinking about getting rid of those. Yep. So one risk piece I want to finish on whilst we still see strength in those markets is that if it starts getting to a point where people are really complaining about affordability, uh, these are the places that go first before the home in, in Perth. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so interesting that I'd say that our conversation has been more around people buying holiday homes as both holiday home and investment as opposed to the activity of Perth people buying an investment property. Mm. Holiday homes being the priority for the spare cash. So the difference this time around is will you hold it and how passionate are you about holding that? What drives that is things like, I bought this as my holiday home, but I'm going to move there. So potentially do sell the Perth home. There's one little anecdote that I can probably add to that. And that was in that breakfast presentation that we went to a couple of weeks ago, the concept of people in small to medium-sized businesses having gone through a bit of trauma recently with running a business in COVID, now going, I've had enough of this and I'm out. We've got that baby boomer generation. Uh, And so that could be a factor here in terms of selling Perth and holding holiday home. But there's obviously also that factor of uh, a younger generation that might have bought into those locations as a holiday home going, right, I'll get out of there first. So I don't see a wholesale dumping of supply into those markets in the short term. It would take some pretty dramatic change in our marketplace to have that effect. Well, I figure that the saving grace here that we're waiting for, that's we're seeing green shoots on, but really... If it is, well, this will be the factor and that's wage growth. If, if we're all getting wage increases because of the lack of supply of labor across the industries to balance out the increase of cost of living that we're going to be and have already been experiencing, then I think what we see is just a step change in everything. You know, it used to cost five cents for a bottle of milk. Now it's three bucks for a bottle of milk. Maybe it's five bucks in the next few years yep. and we just move through that cycle. Yeah, absolutely. The only other factor there, obviously, for the holiday home is has the buyer factored in the the cost of money going forward? Did they do their sums on knowing that interest rates would be 20 or 40 basis points higher than they were when they bought? Yeah. Brendo, thanks a lot, Cheers, mate. This has been a thanks, great Trent. regional chat and I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, mate. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!